Wolfing Down Food Science. Hello and welcome back everyone to another episode of Wolfing Down Food Science. Today we're talking about how texture changes as water leaves, water arrives, or water does other things. And we're going to end with a little bit of lipids, but we wanted to talk just about how texture changes a lot, starting with when we lose water. So what do you think, Paige? How does texture change when we start losing water? What's water doing in there? Well, you're definitely concentrating the solids that you have when you start losing water. Um, so for things like um, French fries or anything that you're frying, you get one of my favorite textures, crispy, crunchy things. Um, because you're having that, that water loss, that dehydration, there's other stuff going on in there. But one of the things that allows that to happen is just simple dehydration and removal of water. In other systems like candies, if you're concentrating the sugar by removing the water, you get things like the brittle glasses we've talked about previously in the podcast, which are hard candies. But you have other textures with sugars like taffy or caramel that are really super stretchy and rubbery. And so that water in the system actually acts like a plasticizer, which if you're familiar with plasticizers, they help um, increase the flexibility of the system and decrease brittleness. So that water being in the system gives you that rubbery, stretchy kind of texture that you want in that candy compared to the hard, brittle fracture that you get with hard candy, like a peppermint or something like that. So there's so much that water can do just based on the concentration of solids and the ratio of water to solids. It reminds me of what gelatin was doing um, making it more flexible in a lot of those gels that we gone over. So yeah. water's kind of doing that similar job there. Yeah. So if you want to make those jello jigglers that they talk about, where you can actually hold the jello in your hand and like wave it up and down and it moves like a wave, you have to have a higher concentration of gelatin in there to make that happen, which means you're removing some of the water. So there's, there's other things that go into that to make that texture, but water is definitely part of it. Yeah, I have to say that I I always looked at those jellos with suspicion. The <laughs> ones that, you know, you could just kind of grab hold of and and uh, take a bite out of just like that. <laughs> and part of it, I think, was that, you know, the, the regular jello was the kind that you could actually, you could actually, if you apply, a little bit of suction, you could pull it right through your teeth. You could turn it from gel into liquid almost instantly, which I mm -hmm. thought was a cool thing. I still think is a cool thing. Um, so, so yeah. It sounds like Jello Shots 101. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if that's if that's how it works. If you were if you were uh, making Jello shots and you kind of pulled that through your teeth, if you could like pull the vodka right out of the Jello, I don't know. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I confess I am not a an authority on Jello shots. So. <laughs> but but yeah, it's it's interesting to think of like you know on the one hand you have pure water and everything that water does. Um, you know, whether it's liquid or solid, 
um, at low temperatures or what have you. And then on the other hand, you have these pure solids and then you mix different amounts of those together to get these really distinct characteristics. So, you know, a little bit of sugar in your water, it's going to sweeten things up, more sugar in your water. You can start making a syrup and you keep adding more and more sugar and you're going to be able to produce very thick materials. You're going to be able to produce potentially uh, candies or, or, uh, or large crystals, things of this nature, as you just push that higher and higher level. And just like you said, yeah, with Jello, you're just pushing more and more of that uh, gelatin protein into the system, and it's acting more and more like that protein and less and less like water as you move from one side to the other. So it's it's kind of cool just being able to dial in that texture exactly the way that you want to. Yeah, you just have to know your system. But it makes me think of the the behavior of water you were talking about when it's liquid versus um, when you get up to something that's hard and brittle, even just water itself, depending on the amount of energy you're putting into it, if you jump off a building into a pool of water, it's not going to feel like a liquid. (laughs) It's going to feel like a solid because you are hitting that water with a lot of force or applying a lot of shear to it. And so even something as basic as water can act and feel like a solid under certain conditions and foods very much respond the same way to applications of force or shear. So I think it's super interesting that something we're so familiar with has all of this different behavior. So do they use that uh, plasticizer in the removal of water to make windshields? Well, as yeah, we were talking about the idea of plasticizers in plastics. So, so there are other solvents, other materials that would be put into a plastic system, uh, not not water, but uh, but would be put into a plastic system for the purpose of making it flexible. So, so your car dash is like that, um, or at least the older car dashes. They may have completely new plastic technology now. I'm not a material science, so I don't know, but in the older cars, if you had a film on the inside of your um, windshield and it was an older vehicle, that film is more than likely um, the plasticizer that is being slowly removed from your dashboard because your dashboard is a form of plastic that has this plasticizer in it to make it a little bit flexible. Um, so if it's a, one of those softer dashboards, then um, that plasticizer is in there and and comes out slowly over time. <laughs> well, this gives a whole new meaning to keeping up with the Kardashians. Another great dad pun. That was a great joke. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> more and more plastic over time. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was just going to mention... Um, all the different ways we can take water out of these foods in terms of just air drying, ancient technique, you know, put put uh, foods out in the sun and air dry them or oven dry, uh, boiling and freeze drying. So there's a lot of different ways that we can pull water out of the system and we choose one way or the other, uh, really depending on what we want to get and how fast we want to we want to get it. So there our ways of doing this quickly, our ways of doing this slowly, and they all have different um, 
different effects on the on the system. So anyway, I was just thinking of how you actually manage this removal of water from the system to get the right texture. But one of the things that we do beyond just drying things, because that's a very limited sort of palette of options that we have beyond drying things, we often try to just keep the water there, but bind it up, but, you know, hold on to it in ways that are constructive and make different textures out of that as, as well. So I think we mentioned earlier that that example of Jello, and uh, that's certainly a really nice way of binding water and producing anything from that, that uh, material that, of course, when I was growing up, I would just pull through my teeth and turn into a liquid <laughs> to the stuff that you could pick up with your hand. And in the case of what we, we would call finger jello is what we used to call it. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Finger yeah, jello. That's, that's what we finger called foods, it. Yeah. Finger foods, finger jello. Finger jello, yeah. It makes me think of jello shaped in fingers at Halloween, <laughs> shaped like fingers. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Which I know is not what you mean, but <laughs> that's where my brain went. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So when you have a, a gelatin gel like that, it's really like you're, those gelatin polymers are making these little pockets where the water resides within the system. Um, but other molecules and proteins just like gelatin can, can bind water as well. Um, a few years ago, brining meats became really popular for home cooks. Um, I think chefs had probably known about it for a much longer period of time, but it became a real popular technique for home cooks to use. And the whole point of like brining a chicken breast or a pork chop or whatever it is, where you soak that piece of meat in salt water was to ensure that that was juicy after you cooked it, right? It had a lot of moisture to it. And it wasn't the, the dry chicken breast or the dry pork chop that you might have experienced in the past. So brining was supposed to combat that. And it does. And the reason it does is because the proteins in the meat are salt soluble. And what that means is they kind of unfold a little bit and they interact with the water even more. So they want to hold on to it and the heat doesn't help them release it quite as much. So you actually do get to retain more of that moisture in the piece of meat because you soaked it in salt. So you're increasing the water holding capacity. So pretty cool technique to help you get juicy chicken and not need as much of that gravy or juicy turkey. That's the other one that people really <laughs> <laughs> the dry turkey at Thanksgiving is a classic. <laughs> yes, I think I think it's much much more helpful with the with the turkey even than the chicken. So yep. yeah, yeah, I think that that's it's just great to have a food scientist as a home chef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be a food scientist to be a good chef, but it it sure does help you understand when things go wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's a whole you know set of you know meats all those bolognese and salamis and these other kind of things that really rely on this idea of of creating this water uh fat balance this emulsion um so we often think of things like salad dressings and stuff like that as having kind of an oil water you know vinegar vinegar oil which of course most of vinegar is water kind of having that mix but yeah the next time that you try out some some lunch meat it's doing the same thing. There's just there's just less water and a lot of fat in there <laughs> making this um, meat emulsion, which I think sounds less appetizing than it really is. Um, 
<laughs> when I was an undergrad in food science, we visited a plant that made hot dogs. And they just had these huge tubs that were on wheels rolling around of the, the batter, essentially, to make the hot dog, which is just the meat emulsion. So it looks very much like cookie dough batter, but it's pink, <laughs> like meat. So lots of people, I always, I didn't think it was that bad looking, but lots of people found it a little bit offensive. They liked hot dogs, but they didn't want to see the, <laughs> the in-between part. <laughs> Well, now I think I see the association between hot dogs and uh, baseball. It's the batter. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're on fire today. <laughs> so long, long ago, uh, I worked as a lifeguard. And uh, one of the things that... Uh, lifeguards do when they're really bored is have belly flop contests. So, you know, this is when you intentionally, I don't know why, I still don't know why, intentionally go off the diving board and uh, and try to strike the water with as much force as possible for points. So there are those, you know, people lined up, up on the sides of the pool to, to say who did the best belly flop. Again, not sure about the wisdom of that approach, but what it really <laughs> showed was that if you if you do a proper dive, you slice right into this water. It's very easy, uh, very easy to uh, to jump into or to, to dive into. But um, if you hit the water with enough force, uh, it hits back. And so water is something we, we talked a little, a little bit about this idea of uh, of things that that get thinner when you apply shear. But water is a is a fluid that essentially um, that essentially will push back. The more that you the more force that you apply onto it, the more that it will push back. And you definitely feel that when you do a belly flop. And so there is an application there to um, to this other technology Paige was talking about with bulletproof vests. So how do belly flops and bulletproof vests relate to one another, Paige? Over to you. <laughs> so when you talk about materials and how they react to um, an, a, a shear that's applied, and it's, it's easy to relate that to the amount of force energy you're putting into something over time, um, it can react in different ways. Um, so there can be a shear thinning effect. And this is exactly what you want in some instances where you apply the shear, say you stir the salad dressing or you shake the bottle of salad dressing or ketchup and out comes the dressing because that act of, of shaking has actually made it thinner, right? And then it thickens again once it hits the salad leaf because you've removed that force, that shear that you applied when you shake the bottle. Um, and then there's the other side of that, which is shear thickening which is um, a more unique property in the world of, of rheological properties and reactions to shear from, from uh, products. So shear thickening is when you stir it or you apply a force over time and it actually gets thicker. So if you've ever seen um, or heard of oobleck, it is cornstarch and water, right? No heating, just cornstarch and water. And it actually like acts like a solid 
when you apply this shear. So you can uh, Google this and find lots of videos of people putting this cornstarch mixture into the um, cone of a speaker and turning music on and it bounces up and down like a solid. You can find videos of people running across a tank, a big giant tank of this stuff, and they can run across this. And as soon as they stop, they sink, right? Because they've stopped applying that shear, so they sink down. Um, so they've. this is one of the few substances in food where shear thickening is actually a thing, but um, you can take that concept and apply it to lots of different types of materials and make things like bulletproof vest, which brings to mind like the Terminator movies and things like that, where if the, the bullet is or the, the vest, excuse me, is made of a material that's shear thickening. And so when you're wearing it, it's fluid and it's soft and warms to your body and it does not like a hard plate. But as soon as something hits it with a lot of shear, like a bullet, it turns to a solid. And so it prevents that bullet from penetrating the vest and, of course, penetrating you, which is the whole goal of the bulletproof vest, right? Um, so it's much more comfortable to wear, but it still does a great job at preventing injury. So shear thickening is a really cool property, as is shear thinning, but shear thickening is the, the um, outlier. You don't get a whole lot of that in nature. <laughs> shear thickening makes the bulletproof vest turn into the Terminator. That's right. <laughs> crisp up the bullet. That's right. Flatten that sucker out before it goes through you. Yeah. And the cool thing is much like that belly flop, uh, you know, that the hardest part of the water, if you will, is the part of the water in contact with your belly. Mm -hmm. If you do a belly flop, the rest of the water around it, the, the waves of force are kind of spreading out, but the water around um, you as you sink into the pool in great pain is uh, <laughs> is liquid. And yeah. so, you know, the cool thing about those bulletproof vests is not only that spot where, you know, this this uh, projectile would strike gets solid, but the rest of the material stays liquid. So the, the force spreads. So you're not getting the full impact, which is kind of a. Again, it's just kind of a, an ingenious thing. Yeah, it's very uh, sci-fi. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> for somebody that likes sci-fi movies, that's what I can relate it to. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, since we were talking about Terminator, you know, I think a good way to, to wrap this up is this idea of melting and solidifying. So, you know, <laughs> in once the CGI got good enough that they could do this, they had, you know, these liquid Terminators that mm -hmm. uh, could melt and reform and those kind of things. And really, you know, in in uh, systems with water, you know, we have this this uh, idea that at room temperature, you're going to have this liquid water in there, depending on how much it's going to either be a, more of a plasticizer or less. Um, and then we can introduce lipids or fats into the system that have different melting points. Some of those will be solid at room temperature where the water is liquid. And so by having uh, different amounts of those two things in, in systems, we can get just some wonderful textures, such as butter, uh, <laughs> where those fats are solid. Most of the fats are solid at, at room temperature. Some of them mm -hmm. are, are liquid, but most are solid at room temperature. And we have water yep. in there. And so it's just this wonderful, wonderful texture, um, cheese and others. Um, so it, it's it's a very interesting system as you're as you're mixing water and lipids together. And 
and moving through these temperature ranges and having different amounts of each, you're getting some really cool textures. So um, what other textures can we get out of uh, playing with these water lipid combinations and temperature as well? Well, I think a lot of people don't realize that butter is not 100% fat. So Wait, butter is not 100% fat? <laughs> no, it's diet butter. Um, <laughs> and in fact, that's if you go to the grocery store and you look at the light um, spreadable butters, most of the time they have more water in them. So they're just taking fat out and replacing it with water um, in there. But um, yeah, so water or water, butter is about 20% water um, in that system. But the dominant phase is the fat that's in there. So if you have uh, butter that's straight out of the refrigerator and you try to cut it, it almost will flake off like little brittle pieces, right? Um, but as it warms up, it kind of acts more like a plastic. It's flexible. You can mold it and shape it. Um, and then if you get it even warmer, it completely completely liquefies because the fat crystals have melted, right? And now you just have water on the bottom and fat on the top because you've melted that, that entire system. So butter is also a really, really cool textural system just because of how those fat crystals are acting um, at different temperatures, whether they're solid or melted or their morphology changes. Now you can prove to yourself that there's a good bit of water in butter if you take a pat of butter and you drop it onto a really hot pan, <laughs> it spatters. Mm -hmm. And that's water flashing to steam mixed with fat. So make sure that if you if you do this, that you stand back because uh, the water that's in there is going to try to jump up and get you. Um, <laughs> it's just part of the it's just part of uh, the interesting. Um, the interesting mix of water and uh, and and fat that's present there, and it's not in oil. So if you have a perfectly dry pan and you pour oil in there, it just Spreads sits out. there like a lake of <laughs> molten molten lipid. It doesn't uh, it doesn't jump up and try to bite you, but add just a little bit of water. Oh my! And, oh my! Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, and the the water and butter actually helps make flaky pie crust. So you're putting in layers of this butter surrounded by layers of dough, and then you want that to be solid. So you don't want that fat to melt until you put it in the oven. And then the same thing that happened in that pan where the water is flashing to steam is happening in the pastry. And that water flashes to steam inside the pastry and pushes apart those layers of dough. So you get these nice flakes that are layered on top of each other for a really flaky pie crust. So um, the water and butter is really important <laughs> if you're a pastry person. I don't know. Maybe there are people out there that don't like pastry. That's not me. <laughs> mm -mm. Not me either. <laughs> I feel like we just need to um, get all the podcast members together and just bake stuff. Like I'm down. Just get into the kitchen and start baking stuff. I, I, I really want to try out all these textures. So, yeah, I think we could we could work through all of the water loss and the water binding and and the sheer thinning and thickening and and melting and solidifying. I think we could develop some pretty delicious uh, delicious materials from all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. 
sure. We're definitely suited to make yogurt at some point in time. With all the fermentation talk and now the sheer thinning, mm-hmm. we are on our way to making yogurt. I know our listeners can also probably make yogurt by the by the explanations we've given to. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tune into the podcast and try to make it one day. <laughs> we we definitely have a really amazing continental breakfast going. <laughs> yes. yes. We just need to get Keith to talk more about coffee and then we'll be set. <laughs> Which is an amazing mix of mostly water and a little bit of other stuff, but that other stuff does some really important things. <laughs> it's it's keeping me awake right now. So <laughs> if you'd like to find out more about our podcast wolfing down food science please check us out at ncsu's food bioprocessing and nutrition science website where you can find our show notes reference links and more You can find out more about NC State, our department, and FS201, the amazing course that has brought us all together, on our website as well. Please don't forget to subscribe to Wolfing Down Food Science wherever you stream your podcasts like Spotify and iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Wolfing Down Food Science. See you next time.